Chapter Thirty Two of The Widow Married, a sequel to The Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Two Rumor and Its Consequences A Confidential Interview Between a Mother and Daughter A Courageous Resolution Taken and Acted Upon a large dinner-party assembled at general hubert's after the drawing-room chiefly consisting of family connections most of whom had that morning paid their compliments at st james and all of whom were amongst the guests invited to mrs o'donagough's ball at night there had been too much vexation endured by mrs hubert and her daughter in the morning for either of them willingly to have discussed the cause of it and if their feelings only had been consulted the names of mrs and miss o'donagough would most assuredly never have been mentioned but sir edward stephenson who knew nothing of all this no sooner perceived that the ice-plates were all removed the grapes duly circulated and the door closed upon the last of the attendants then he said addressing himself to mrs hubert at whose right hand he was seated i have been excessively vexed to-day my dear agnes indeed i am very sorry to hear it she replied may i ask the cause of your vexation sir edward yes you may and i will tell it you frankly that boy seymour whom notwithstanding all our quarrels i love as if he were my own son is most decidedly acting either like a fool or a knave i cannot tell you half the disappointment and vexation this causes me i thought him such a noble-hearted fellow and gave him credit for so intelligent and so refined a mind that what i have seen to-day has surprised as much as it has pained me what is it that you are saying edward with so very grave a face said general hubert i think i heard something about surprise and pain is the communication a secret between you and agnes i hope nothing has happened seriously to vex you yes but there has hubert replied sir edward in an accent that showed he was very much in earnest but the cause of my vexation is very far from being a secret now and even if it were there is no sort of probability that it should long continue so there is not one of us i believe who has not the honour of knowing mrs and miss o'donagough nor is there one who does not know something more or less of my late ward sir henry seymour therefore good friends you are all fully competent to judge of the degree of pleasure with which i should see sir henry bestow himself and his noble fortune on the young lady i have just mentioned nonsense sir edward exclaimed the general indignantly i too have heard this inconceivably silly report but i really never expected that i should hear it repeated by you nor would you hubert had i not this day seen what too strongly confirms it to leave me the same comfortable conviction of its falsehood which i enjoyed this morning it was muckleberry who first told me that the infatuated boy had engaged himself to that tremendous-looking miss o'donagough whose very beauty is revolting and whom i should have thought completely formed to disgust seymour instead of captivating him for which reason i ventured rather cavalierly to assure his lordship that he was mistaken and even when he gravely repeated that he knew the fact from the very best authority i still wholly disbelieved it but you know what the adage says on the article of seeing it is not on the testimony of lord muckleberry or that of any lord or lady breathing that i would have believed henry seymour capable of such preposterous folly but when i beheld him this morning marching through the crowd at st james with the inconceivable mother on one arm and the indescribable daughter on the other i knew not what to think for must it not be some feeling greatly approaching madness which could induce such a man as sir henry seymour to make such an exhibition of himself it was doubtless extremely simple and extremely civil of him replied general hubert 
but it surely is hardly sufficient to justify your belief that he is going to marry the young lady but that is not the worst of it where he had been taking them or what he had been doing with them heaven knows but it was i should think nearly an hour after i had seen the trio pass in the manner i have described that i at last got downstairs after having been detained by meeting an old acquaintance from berlin whom i had not seen for years and there at the bottom of the staircase in a corner as much as possible out of sight i found sir henry and his fair young friend tete-a-tete long after the great majority of the company had driven off the girl too was hanging on his arm in a sort of familiar way that i cannot bear to think of because it convinces me that even if he be not fool enough to think of marrying her he has been wicked enough to make her believe he does and the difference between the two is hardly worth discussion said mrs hubert suddenly rising and giving lady stephenson the mystical glance which makes it law that all the ladies present should instantly rise too general hubert looked surprised at this unusually early retreat are you going to leave us already agnes said he yes we are general by your good leave she replied the morning has been a fatiguing one for elizabeth and i really dare not propose leaving her at home this evening therefore i mean to deposit her upon a sofa till it is necessary to attend mrs o'donagough's festivities whether general hubert's rapid glance towards his daughter when these words were spoken threw any light upon this movement might have been doubtful to all but his wife but she perfectly well understood the feeling that led him without any further questionings to open the door for them and which caused him as she passed to snatch her hand and wring it with strong emotion yet agnes had never even to him betrayed her suspicions respecting the feelings of elizabeth's young heart towards sir henry seymour nor did he guess them now to their full extent but he thought he had seen very decided proofs of admiration on the part of the young man towards his daughter and though he wished a year or two might elapse and give them time to know each other before any thought of marriage was alluded to he had been for some time watching every trait in his character with deep interest and had begun to contemplate the idea of a near and dear connection with him as an event that he should not only approve but very cordially rejoice in most distasteful therefore was the rumour which had reached him from more than one quarter of sir henry seymour's devotion to miss o'donagough and steadfastly did he believe the thing to be impossible till he saw the effect which the repetition of it produced on his wife but whatever feelings of vexation and displeasure it might have caused the general to hear such news confirmed its effect on his wife was much more painful still she knew though he did not that her elizabeth was no longer fancy-free and though the conviction of this came too late for any caution on her part to do much good her anxiety on the subject was lessened if not altogether removed by the conviction that the young man was devotedly attached to her and that he was one to whom she could entrust the happiness of her heart's dearest treasure with confidence such being the case it must be superfluous to state that the report of sir henry's attachment to her cousin had been listened to with a very anxious mixture of fear and incredulity but improbable as it appeared to her so many circumstances had occurred to confirm it that when she left the dinner-table the incredulity had pretty nearly vanished while the fear was strengthened almost into certainty had it not been however for caroline's strange conduct and subsequent agitation when the subject was named mrs hubert would still have been inclined to doubt not only the truth of all she had heard but also the testimony of sir edward's eyes but her imagination could suggest no other interpretation of miss seymour's emotion than that her heart revolted from the connection her brother was about to form though her devoted love for him led her to assume a degree of civility towards the young lady which was altogether foreign to her feelings 
during the few days that the poor girl remained in berkeley square after the visit of mrs o'donagough and her daughter she had appeared so dreadfully embarrassed whenever they were spoken of that the subject had been dropped by mrs hubert from mere pity and now that she was gone to visit friends at some distance from london the recollection of all she had said and all that she seemed ashamed to say did more to strengthen the report than anything she could have done or said had she remained with them on reaching the hall elizabeth took a side candle from the slab and proceeded with it to her own room and thither in a few minutes afterwards her mother followed you are ill my dearest child said mrs hubert on perceiving her sitting pale and motionless while large tears were sadly coursing each other down her cheeks my darling elizabeth tell me what is passing in your mind trust me sweet love you will feel the better for it mamma how can i tell you what i am unable to explain even to myself i would not wish to have a secret from you if i have been weak and foolish i would rather you knew it than not dearest mother but i cannot tell how it has all come about i did not think that i could have been no and i do not think so now so very weak so very foolish so everything that i should most dislike to be as to fancy myself in love and that too with a person who is loving another all the time oh mother your daughter ought not to be so vile as that the vilest does not rest with you my child replied mrs hubert with strong emotion you believed yourself beloved and had reason to believe it but this is a theme on which i feel that i must never dare to speak with you elizabeth the impression will soon be effaced believe me it will you shake your head but you cannot shake my belief dearest i speak with perfect confidence if you have loved this man it was because he appeared to you as he did to me worthy of your love now we find that he is not so your feelings towards him will change and that so completely as to make you doubt that you ever entertained them that may be but when shall i forget mamma that my forward vanity mistook what i suppose was friendship for his sister's friend for love it is not my love for him but my contempt for myself that will make me miserable you will see this matter in a different light a little while hence elizabeth and that different light will be the true one but as yet this is perhaps impossible and i will not harass your spirits now by disputing about it perhaps dearest it will be best that you should not go to this detestable ball to-night there are enough of us assembled here all desperately bent upon the enterprise to satisfy the claims of relationship were she ten times our aunt indeed it will be best that you should remain quietly at home it would be a great deal best for my pleasure mamma but unless you insist upon my staying at home i had rather go there may be much to try your spirits my dear child and it is quite clear they are not very strong to-night neither you nor i should choose that anything you may chance to feel should be suspected trust me said elizabeth beseechingly i will trust you my sweet girl you shall go or stay just as you like best at the moment there is no occasion to decide about it yet if i were you dearest i would lie down claridge can easily arrange your hair again elizabeth silently nodded her assent and after fondly kissing her pale cheek her mother left her on returning to the drawing-room mrs hubert found the whole party consisting of lady stephenson and her sister-in-law nora mrs henderson elizabeth peters and two miss nivets whom by some of her skilful manoeuvrings mrs o'donagough had contrived to inscribe on her visiting list in high and almost loud debate concerning the possibility of sir henry seymour's having fallen in love with miss o'donagough lady stephenson gave it as her opinion that all things were possible but that the thing under discussion was not probable 
mrs henderson observed that after the scene she had witnessed between miss seymour and the o'donagough ladies she could entertain no doubt whatever of the truth of the report they had heard inasmuch as the young lady's conduct was perfectly natural upon that theory and perfectly unintelligible upon every other miss peters declared that though mrs o'donagough was her aunt by marriage she must say that she thought her more likely than any one she ever knew to take in a young man and make him marry her daughter whether he would or not the two miss nivets both followed on the same side first one and then the other remarking that nothing occurred so constantly as instances of men being drawn in to marry odious disagreeable women and exactly the very sort of people they most disliked by mere art and good management and that was the reason to their certain knowledge why so many admirable young women remained single just because they would not condescend to do the same sort of things themselves as both these young ladies were considerably past thirty their judgment had naturally much weight but notwithstanding this and all that had preceded it mrs stephenson scrupled not to raise her silver voice in the glorious minority of one and to proclaim her positive and complete conviction that either from knavery and mischief or from fun and foolery the report was altogether an invention having no more foundation in truth than the celebrated error which in ages past had assigned to our humble earth the honoured place of centre to the solar system on the appearance of mrs hubert her opinion was eagerly called for by the whole party but her answer was more oracular than satisfactory being summed up in that very safe formula time will show an hour or two followed which were whiled away by coffee and criticism the court circle as a matter of course passed under a general review and then for the gratification of mrs henderson and her sister the only ladies present who had not been that day at st james mrs stephenson entered upon a very graphic description of the dress and appearance of mrs o'donagough and her daughter observing that as all present were either her relations or her relations relations there could be no sort of objection to her speaking with unaffected truth of the general effect produced by them upon all beholders by this time the gentlemen had joined the party and many a burst of irresistible laughter from frederick stephenson attested his continued enjoyment of his pretty wife's powers of persiflage though he ceased not to protest all the time that he did not at all approve quizzing the o'donagoughs that o'donagough himself was a capital good fellow and that he meant to invite them all to dinner to meet seymour very soon at length the clock struck twelve the carriages have been waiting a long time agnes said the general and if we intend to go at all i think we must go now the whole party declared themselves to be perfectly ready but where was elizabeth wait for us one moment said mrs hubert as she left the room to inquire how her daughter had decided it was with a very gentle hand that agnes opened the bedroom door for she was not without hopes that she should find her child asleep had she decided upon going thought she we should have seen her in the drawing-room ere this but she was mistaken elizabeth was seated fully prepared for the ball her dress no otherwise differing from that of the morning than by the removal of the train and plume she was reading and her beautiful features showed no traces of their recent emotion you mean to go then my dear love said her mother yes mamma i am quite ready she replied and quickly wrapping her shawl about her she set forth upon an expedition which any one who could have known what was passing in her heart must have allowed required more courage than the mounting many a deadly breach has done End of chapter thirty two